You are listening to the next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Dumbo. Welcome, baby Dumbo. We're all family here, no matter how small. back inside but she's his mom do something she needs us look at me we're gonna bring your mama home he doesn't look like magic to me need you to believe in them. Come on! You can do it, Dumbo. Show them. Fly, Dumbo. Fly. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Dumbo, and the story is as follows. Struggling circus owner Max Medici enlists a former star and his two children to care for Dumbo, a baby elephant born with oversized ears. When the family discovers that the animal can fly, it soon becomes the main attraction, bringing in huge audiences and revitalizing the rundown circus. The elephant's magical ability also draws the attention of V.A. Van Der Veer, an entrepreneur who wants to showcase Dumbo in his latest larger-than-life entertainment venture. The film is starring Colin Farrell, Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, Eva Green, and Alan Arkin. It is directed by Tim Burton, written by Aaron Kruger. Joining me for this review, I have Nicole Ackman. Hello, everyone. Celia Shalekaway. Hi there. JC Aldridge. Hi, everybody. Daniel Howitt. Hello. And Tom O'Brien. Hey, guys. All right, everyone. So, Dumbo. 2019 Dumbo. And directed by Mr. Tim Burton, who is no stranger to adapting Disney animated films for the live-action world. Uh, I will start us off. And then I will have everyone give their initial thoughts and then we'll go into specifics. But I'll just start off by saying I was really on board with this for the first 45 minutes. And then Michael Keaton came into the story with one of the worst accents I have ever heard in a movie. And it was all downhill from there. Jumping off of that, let's start off with Celia. Um... I thought it was fine. Dumbo was not something that I don't even know if I've seen the original all the way through. It wasn't something that I grew up with. So I didn't necessarily have any expectations coming into this movie. Um, I thought the acting was bad for the most part, but I kind of have the opposite reaction to you, Matt. Like I 
didn't really like the beginning, but once Dumbo started flying, I was like, all right, this is just an insane movie and I'm just along for the ride of its insanity. And I kind of just enjoyed it that way from there. So I thought it was fine. You know what? If this movie had racist crows from the 1941 original, the insanity would have reached a new level, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> well, I actually have an interesting comment about that, but we can get into it later. Surely. Uh, Tom, what about you? Um, I do love the 41 original very, very much. And uh, uh, this one, breaking my heart is a little too strong for it, but I was so disappointed. Uh, For example, Dumbo flies right off the bat. And uh, a lot of the joy of the original was that being sort of climax that he can actually do it. Uh, I agree the acting is not very good. I thought maybe of, of the troupe, DeVito is probably the best, mm-hmm. but it's 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 just another mangling of a Disney classic that Tim Burton has gotten his hands on. Okay, JC. Uh, uh, I man, I wanted to like this movie so bad. I wanted to so bad, and I just couldn't. It uh, the script the script for me was just my my crutch right there. Like I cannot get past the dialogue. I cannot get past the pacing and the reaction responses. There were the reactions from the cast to things that happened in the film and the script ruined this movie for me. You know, Aaron Kruger, are you aware of what he has written before? No. Oh, let me put it to you this way. He he has written the Transformers movies. Oh, God. Mm. There's not enough explosions in this movie for that to pass. Like, at least in Transformers, <laughs> we're so focused on, like, where our eyes are looking that we don't know what they're saying. Uh, how it? Yeah, uh, I, I don't have a ton of emotional connection to the original Dumbo. Like, I saw it, but um, not. it's not one that we watched a lot. So I didn't really have... There wasn't much stopping me from liking this movie uh, other than the movie itself. Dumbo is super cute. <laughs> Love Dumbo. He was great as a character. But then the rest of the movie is just it's just so bland. It's not terrible. I, I don't have the I don't think I have as strong of feelings as you do, Matt. Um, but I, it just is so bland. Every single character, everyone is boring and forgettable. Not mm-hmm. that the actors are particularly bad. They're just n- nobody is anything special. So the whole movie just kind of was really bland for me. And we, we need to talk about this anti-corporate message, anti-Disney message in this Disney oh, yeah. movie, which was fine. I don't have a problem with that, but uh, it felt very odd that that was in this movie. So we'll definitely need to get into that. So yeah, overall, I don't know. It was it was just so forgettable. Mm. And Nicole Ackman. So I also like didn't really grow up watching Dumbo. I think I saw it once, was super traumatized, and was like, never again. Um... <laughs> Because the original is very sad, and it also has some really weird, trippy sequences in it. Yeah. Um, so I kind of expected that from this. And then I was like, oh, all right, that's it. Like, Dumbo's really cute. Like, really adorable. Um, but that's about all that I can say that's good about this movie. I literally mm-hmm. briefly fell asleep in a scene about 45 minutes in. Um, it got to a point where I was like, when will this end? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just and it didn't even feel like a proper Tim Burton movie. I was like, "Where's the aesthetic? Like, where's the real craziness?" Um, 
it just felt bland. Yeah, I, I kind of know what you mean in terms of like when will this movie end? Because those that are familiar with the 1941 original, uh, the plot for that movie pretty much for the most part gets wrapped up in the first 40 minutes or so. <laughs> And I'm telling you, it's when Michael Keaton comes into the movie and it's like all this new material for this 2019 version that I, 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 I it just completely lost me at that point. And part of it is just because I really did not like what Keaton was doing with this performance. And I started to then notice that not only was his accent coming and going throughout the entire movie, but then I started to feel the same way about Colin Farrell, who for me in the beginning of the film was actually quite endearing and charming because I had no idea that he was missing an arm for this role. So when we're first introduced to this character and you see that, that he's a returning war hero and he's missing the arm, immediately I started thinking to myself, oh God. I hope they're not about to pull like a greatest showman thing and start talking about how these are quote unquote like freaks within the circus and things like that. I, oh no. But then, no, it was actually this really sweet, uh, charming story about a father who is recently widowed, who is obviously gone through uh, great trauma fighting this war and coming back home to his kids who he does not have an established connection with. And that was the heart of the story, even more so than the Dumbo uh, being separated from his mom, for me at least. But the film focused more on the Dumbo uh, emotional pull and the whole Colin Farrell family storyline, I feel like, got cast aside. And it was like, no, you can strike a balance. That's, you can do it. That's funny because <laughs> I, I honestly think that the whole Colin Farrell family storyline was not interesting to me. Mm. Like, probably predicated on the performances. Like, I'm sorry, but that girl actress just like, yeah, God, yeah. she's so dry. She was so wooden. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And... And like, yeah, I bet the guy has gone through a lot of trauma, but he sure is making a lot of jokes about it considering he just got back. Well, isn't it the thing, though, because of the fact that this is a kid's movie, maybe uh, Burton being the company man, quote unquote, that he is for the Disney Corporation. They just don't want to go full fledged, dark, mature with it. And you that's know, why I'm saying I never really bought into the idea of like. These are like real people going through it for real because they never wanted to make it seem like that to me. Like there was there was just there were just some people like not connecting. And then the girl being like, mom would have done that. And it's like, okay. (laughs) And I I feel like this girl, I feel like the girl character, I I feel like I've seen that trope before of the kid who loves science and is always talking about the scientific method. I feel like I've seen that before many times. Okay. For so anyone who perfect. saw the Nutcracker movie, it's yes. literally the same thing where she's like, yes. I miss my dead mom and I love science. Yes, like, thank you. It's the same character. Yeah, Dumbo. Yes, yeah, science. Bizarre. I didn't really have any problem with Nico's, with Nico Parker's like character, like who she was. Like I thought that the, I thought that that, that did make a really interesting sort of look on trauma. But what did bother me with her was just when I was talking about reactions, her mm-hmm. and Eva Green, there were it, it, like there were two very specific stances where I was like, what are you looking at? Like you look like you're looking at a brick wall and you're responding to a brick wall. And like the first time that Dumbo flies and the kids are like falling aback, they're they're just like smiling. Like I wish I could just like 
recreate the expression in this podcast. They're like, <laughs> like, you just saw an elephant fly and you're just like leaning back, smiling. Like it's just not even like a half smile. I just, oh man. Well, what that says to me is it says to me two things. Um, Burton has always been a visual storyteller more, I think, than an actual quote unquote storyteller. And that is, you know, really taking a hard look at the screenplay and really hammering it out to make the best film possible. It seems like this movie was written by Aaron Kruger, handed to Tim Burton, and there were no rewrites. There was nothing changed about it. And Kruger's past filmography tells us all that he's not, he's not a good writer. (laughs) And so we're kind of relying on Burton to help sell the emotion of everything that's going on. But unfortunately, it just feels like Burton's own heart is not in this movie. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, Celia. Like, th- those performances are not directed well. Uh, as a as a visual extravaganza, I think Burton was a great choice to bring Dumbo into uh, this modern era. But... Yeah, there's something emotionally that does not connect. And and I think before when I was saying like the Colin Farrell family storyline was working for me, it was working for me because um, not because it actually was working, but because there was this idea that it was somehow going to work. (laughs) And conceptually, it was it was smart. I really liked how the foundation was laid for it. But Burton was never able to take that screenplay and elevate it to that level where this movie could make that emotional connection. It just never happened. No, it never did. Uh, and it, it, it just, for me at least, it, there's no joy in the movie. Mm. Everyone see it's just so dour throughout. Even, even early on, uh, I mean, I, I agree. I think the, the I, I wish the uh, uh, Colin Farrell family uh, moments were, were deeper. But there's no seem to be. There doesn't seem to be much empathy in this, mm-hmm. and um, and that's that's a baby mind, you know. In the I don't want to use the forty one original to uh, browbeat this one, but I mean that's hugely emotional when the, their trunks yeah. meet, and here it just seemed like a throwaway. Uh, and it just yeah, you're right. It, it seemed like they had this idea of we need to use it in the movie somehow. Let's just throw it in there as like a nod almost, but. I don't know who to blame for that. I don't know if it's Kruger's fault or Burton's fault, but you're right that that scene was supposed to be, I, I don't know about you all, but I mean, in the original, when Dumbo gets separated from his mom, it is absolutely heartbreaking and up there with some of the most traumatizing things that Disney has ever done to our hearts. And here, it just felt like, all right, here's that scene that you all were anticipating and, uh, oh, you know, like the, the I'm going to just say it again, Burton's heart really just did not seem to be connected with this material for some reason. So I, I don't, like I said, I haven't seen the original and I don't know what is in this movie that is from the original. Okay. So let me, let me just lay this out for y'all and you can tell me what is unique to this. I'm watching this movie, this adorable elephant, the most adorable living creature to ever exist on the planet has just been born. (laughs) Danny DeVito gets mad because he's ugly, which is a flat out lie. I'm sorry. Objectively, it's a lie. And then I'm like, not getting it. I'm not getting it. And then they bring him out in the circus the first time and a sign that says, dear baby Jumbo breaks and turns into ear baby Dumbo. And when that happens, I don't know if it happened in the original, but when that happens, that is the moment that I realize, oh, this movie is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm 
I'm here now. I'm with it. I get it. I see where you're going. And then I stay with that all the way. And then I really think it pays off in the um, scene towards the, well, I guess towards the middle, honestly, where um, they're about to bring Dumbo out in like the theme park for the first time and all the bubbles are going. Oh, yeah. And I was like, thank God that I let go of all that expectation earlier because this scene is so cool and I would not be able to appreciate it if I was sitting there stewing in my anger about why this movie isn't what I hoped it would be. I like that take, actually, because uh, you I think you just said it maybe maybe better than I could have ever have said it. You let go of expectation and maybe Burton's name carries a bit of expectation with it. In my mind, it's inconsistency, but regardless of which, he carries expectation with him from time to time. And the trailers for this, I remember when we reviewed the trailer on the podcast and we all were in agreement of like, wow, this looks like it could be Burton's best movie in a long time. Yeah. Ah, I should have known better. (laughs) I will say that I do appreciate about it that like one of my gripes with the live action films sometimes is that they don't depart enough from the original to be worth a remake and this sure as hell does depart from the original so like mm-hmm. at least there's that in its favor yeah. they got the first yeah, thing. yeah. this wasn't yeah. a shot for shot remake which I, I did appreciate that i just wish the stuff they added was any good yeah like for example um i will say this i'll give, I'll give okay i'll say something positive for a change here um i actually liked what danny devito was doing mm-hmm did anybody else? Oh, yeah. I think he's the best thing in the film. I, I was really uh, on board with his, like, over-the-top uh, comedic shenanigans that he was doing, especially with, with the monkey and everything else. Uh, and then I like how in the second half of the film, he's actually more dour and reserved and quiet, actually. And there's a bit of soulful uh, – soul. soul. <laughs> there's a bit of soul actually shown through in his uh, performance there, uh, what little there is in this movie. You know, but I think that's also maybe contrast against Michael Keaton, who I just think is utterly ridiculous in this. But yeah, I don't I don't have the strong feeling towards Michael Keaton that you seem to, Matt. I, I, I don't know what you keep talking about, his accent that goes in and out. I I'm, I didn't get that. I thought he was yeah. not that he I thought he was particularly good by any means, but uh, I didn't think he was as bad as as you feel he was. I, I like he literally made me rethink my stance on how much he I felt like he should have won the Oscar for Birdman like this performance single-handedly made me go you know what I I think I'm glad that we didn't do that (laughs) I feel like I I feel like he understood what movie he was in yeah you know like like he knew that this was this wasn't gonna be a Birdman performance for him this was him screwing around being Walt Disney essentially and that's the thing I kind of also uh I, I get that because he's doing the mustache, the mustache twirling, you know, winking devil villain that we've seen time and time again. That's just all based around corporate greed, and it's an over the top performance, and it definitely suits the material of what Burton does from time to time. I mean, you've all seen Alice in Wonderland and what Johnny Depp does with the Mad Hatter, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like this isn't new to Tim Burton's films, so I totally understand and get that, but. I, I think it was just that damn accent for me. Uh, and am, am I really also, I got to ask, because Dan's questioning me on this. Yes. Am I really insane? Did anybody else see that his accent kept going in? No. No. no I'm thought, the only one? I thought the I accent just... that he had was like a put on for like that one minute. I didn't think it was meant to be his entire Yeah. Performance. 
I just couldn't tell what he was trying to do accent-wise. I guess my issue is I watched Spider-Man Homecoming for the first time last weekend. And he's great. In that. I thought he's, he he's was really good. So good and so nuanced and really brought something to the villain that I was like, all right, like, this is great. So then to go from seeing him in that and then immediately the next movie I watched, see him in this, I was like, what happened, Michael Keaton? <laughs> like Tim Burton happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so another, another thing with this movie, uh, Tom was talking about how fast everything happened. He, he, he flew right away. That was one of my biggest issues with this movie. The pacing is just terrible. Everything happens, even though it's, the movie feels too long. Everything somehow happens so fast. He flies once, then they put him in the circus. He flies once there, and then Michael Keaton comes out and buys buys the circus. It all just kept happening one after the after after the other. Nothing happened, like nothing kind of built anywhere. You know who's the biggest casualty of that in this cast? Eva Green. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I agree. There is a scene missing in this movie where she establishes a connection with the uh, Farrier family because she just goes seemingly like out of nowhere from being Michael Keaton's, uh, you know, boo to all of a sudden there's like some sort of uh, romantic attachment maybe to whole Farrier and his children and Dumbo. And it's like, when did this happen? Yeah. And I would have I would have loved to see more of her character. I thought that like the little that she did was pretty interesting and I would have loved to see more. Yeah, I agree. Me too. So, uh, somebody brought up the Disney connection before. <laughs> Man. Are. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Maybe it's coincidence. Like, do we think that Burton is just accepting the paycheck and he really wants to, like, comment on how he feels Disney is this huge monopoly that's just sucking up everything? Or is it just pure coincidence? There's no way you can make that film, work on that film, and not realize that Dreamland is Disneyland. You just can't do it. Yeah. 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 I was listening to a podcast a couple weeks ago talking about the city of Anaheim um, and their local elections. And they were essentially talking about how like Disney was getting these tax cuts for Disneyland. But if they took these tax cuts, they passed a law where they require like a certain minimum wage and a certain increase in minimum wage per year. And Disney essentially foregoed those tax cuts because they didn't want to stick to those like wage standards they would rather stick to lower wage standards uh and i know that like with the disney fox merger like maybe that's a more accurate kind of thing to compare it to but in the whole in my mind the whole time in this movie i'm just thinking about like yep and they don't want to pay their workers that extra 25 cents that mm. that are required for them oh to my get gosh taxes. yeah and, and so and so I, that was all that was going through my mind the whole time was like but i mean disney has done that before like mary poppins exists that's not exactly a very like pro conglomerate movie either so like Mm. Uh, our own Josh Parham tweeted, I can't believe Disney made a movie about a large entertainment company buying out another one for their IP with the intention to merchandise the property, kill the elements that make it special, and terminate the majority of the staff. That is a very accurate reading of this movie, which is crazy. <laughs> the, the parallels are just maybe – they're too large to ignore, and it's something that I have to admit I didn't quite 
get while I was watching the movie itself. It wasn't until I actually uh, got out of the film and I actually, somebody, there was like uh, another article I read about the doc, uh, Disney Fox merger. And I think somebody just mentioned Dumbo in the article, not like the connection thematically, but something about like how Dumbo is just being released. And it, like something in my brain just clicked finally in regards to that. And it almost makes me not want to go back and rewatch the movie to maybe try to better understand if this was in- intentional or if it is coincidence or not. But either way, you can't deny that it is there. You just can't. Yeah. It, it's it's thematically scary, actually, uh, to think that Burton, who has uh, made you know other films for Disney countless times before, and I don't know, like I I need I need somebody in an interview to ask him the hard question. Right. <laughs> I right. need I need yeah. to hear it. <laughs> Is he biting the hand that feeds him? Exactly. I mean, because. That would maybe explain how his job that he does in this is extremely, extremely competent uh, or ranging from competent to just pure mediocre. And he just doesn't give a shit. And he's just taking the money. I, I don't know. But there is a part of me that does feel that, uh, that it's so funny. I still think he was probably the right choice for this. I think the issue is the screenplay and how it develops these characters. And I think all the issues kind of start on the page, maybe. Because visually speaking, uh, production design-wise, I thought this movie, like, you know, Burton never fails to impress when it comes to production design. And even the stuff that wasn't uh, wholly intricate, like, for example, uh, Danny DeVito's Traveling Circus Troupe and how it's outdoors – all of that, to me, I thought looked really, really good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And even Dreamland, which that's where you start getting into the typical wacky Tim Burton-esque with, with black and white spirals and weird, odd shapes and stuff like that. That's where his uh, sensibilities that we're very used to start to come across. But even then, I was like, I really like visually how this movie looks. And I think it yeah. was the perfect tone for what Dumbo, even the original Dumbo, what, what what it captures. I thought Nightmare Island was really good. Yeah, yeah, I like that too. The way all the animals look. What did you guys think of um, the fact that they, 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 they kind of went with a Jungle Book kind of realistic CGI for the animals, but Dumbo was obviously more cartoonish. Mm-hmm. What would you guys think of that? That worked for me. I think, I think the CGI on Dumbo was real enough while still remaining extremely cute. So I think they, they that was the best balance of the movie. I, I didn't love the CGI and effects on the environments. I thought you could really kind of see see the visual effects happening um, when you're when you have any sort of landscape. Um, but I think Dumbo was where they really nailed it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, for me, at least, uh, by the time we got to Dreamland, I was totally out of the movie. So I'm looking back and saying, hmm, this looks like the 1939 World's Fair. That's 20 years ahead of where the story is. So I'm, mm. where did this come from? It, okay. It, yeah. <laughs> I have huge issues with the fact that like they spend a lot of the first half of the movie being quite set in the period. Because you know, whenever yeah. it opens, it says it's 1919. He's returned from World War One, And then you get to Dreamland. And I was like, you even got the wrong type of telephones. <laughs> like, it was right. like, suddenly we're like, we don't give a shit anymore. Like, let's set this in 1940-something, which just to me, and it's not even like a historical accuracy stickler thing. It just felt lazy. It just felt like suddenly they were like, ah, screw it. And that's interesting, too, because the laziness can be attributed maybe to the theory that we're kind of coming up with here, which is 
Burton just didn't give a shit. <laughs> you know? Probably, yeah. He wanted to tell that story, and that's what it. he needed to make it look like Disneyland enough for him to get, you know, like, maybe. Unless it was yeah. just a coincidence. But if he's going to tell that story, it has to look that way, so. And then what'd you guys think of the fact that... Um, I can't remember the character's name. Tom, maybe you do. But the talking mouse in the original? Timothy. Timothy. What'd you guys think of the fact that there wasn't a quote-unquote like sidekick mouse? I mean, the mouse is alluded to in this, but uh, that that character is just completely omitted. It probably would have been tough to do an entire feature with just animals. Uh, but uh, I, I, do, I did kind of miss that perspective that uh, Timothy brought to the original and I do miss the song when I see an elephant fly. It mean it would mean the crows would have to be back in there, and mm, that, yeah, that's not going to work. Although I'm sure that was probably like first initial meeting with Tim Burton, no crows, and he probably was like, okay, okay, yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> I will say the mouse thing that they did with this is quite similar to what they did in the Cinderella live action where they're like kind of there, but not talking and not really playing yeah. a character part, but just kind of alluded to, which I guess that didn't really bother me. The fact that we got one song in this movie did bother me. Cause I was like, what's the point? <laughs> and the fact that they also like didn't use the song, but yeah, yeah I guess the mouse thing, I was kind of like, all right, like that's nice that they're acknowledging that this was a thing in the original, but like, aren't going down that path sure uh and then somebody mentioned before uh, something about the crows was that you celia that oh, mentioned oh yeah i mean it wasn't about the crows specifically it was just a like a a maybe not a racist thing but it was just something that made me go huh right at the beginning um when they're going through when they're showing you that like the circus is on a train and then they have like the indiana jones style map up on the screen and they're going through the south and like the foreground shot is a bunch of men in a field and all the men are white. Mm. And I was like, all right, mm. that's a little weird uh, for this time period. And then the next shot is a bunch of kids chasing the train and one and like some of the kids are white and like one of the kids is black. And I'm like, okay, so this is Disney like retconning their own history here. <laughs> mm. <laughs> because I'm like, there's no way that that would be like the racial makeup of this area because they're like driving through Alabama at that point and at first I was like I should keep a lookout for this but then it literally never comes up ever again like the rest yeah. of the movie is very like racially diverse or whatever the guy who plays Rongo plays the role that oh, he oh the strong man yeah. yeah Game of Thrones he was the he was Chocolat in Moulin Rouge that's what I know him from where he's basically yeah. the same bouncer type guy but um but I liked his little twist of like being an accountant and stuff too. Like that was cute. So I don't know. I, it just, it just made me go, huh, that's a little weird. <laughs> no, it definitely was. And I mean, for me, the weirdest element about this movie and uh, this, oh my God, guys, I cannot tell you. I don't know what bothered me more, Michael Keaton's uh, accent or this moment. I don't know if I'll ever be able to forgive Aaron Kruger for writing into the screenplay that Colin Farrell at one point refers to Dumbo as Big D. Oh, oh yeah, that was bad. I actually laughed out loud. <laughs> I I couldn't believe that that was because it's only it only happens once. No, it happens multiple times. Several times. It happens at least three times because I started. Wait, counting. it does? Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, I thought it I thought it was only in that one part where he's like gently rubbing his backside and gives him a little pat and says, Alright, like big D. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, I don't understand. Oh, no. It's multiple times, and every time I cracked up a little bit and all the adults around me laughed. And I was like, Yeah. Like like is that supposed to be intentional uh comedy? Is it just supposed to be like like, what was going on? How much did they pay Colin Farrell to say that? Like, <laughs> oh, gosh. I just couldn't believe that that was even a thing because, you know, you have to believe that the adults in the audience, as is evidenced by this podcast, we all read into that and we go, huh, that's weird. Why would they do that? I, now I'm thinking about stuff in an animated film I should not be thinking about right now. <sighs> This movie does not have big D energy. I'm just throwing it out that'll there. Po- that'll <laughs> pop up on one of those like YouTube videos, like five secret dirty things in Disney movies. Like, I don't know. It's whatever. <laughs> it's whatever. Oh, gosh. Okay. Final thoughts. Grades out of 10. Oscar potential. For final thoughts, let's start it off with Daniel Howitt. Final thoughts. Uh... I'm going to forget that this movie exists for the most part in the next couple of weeks here. It's just so forgettable. It's there's nothing here to latch on to. So uh, I don't I don't hate the movie. It's kind of it's just kind of whatever for me. So great out of 10, I, I guess four out of 10. Uh, all right, Nicole. I think that the rest of 2019 is going to be be me seeing if some other film can beat this one for like last place in my 2019 films I've seen. Oh, there'll definitely be something, I'm sure. You didn't see the upside? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. What, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh god. There have been no. plenty of bad movies this year. <laughs> but honestly, like I appreciate some things in it. I actually didn't think Colin Farrell was quite bad, but he also like his first scene was in a World War One uniform, which kind of won me over. He also doesn't age. I'm convinced that he hasn't aged over the last 15 years, oh, like at all. <laughs> Dumbo was cute. That's about all I've got, honestly. Like I give it three out of ten. It's I literally have told my family don't bother seeing it, um, and that's as a huge fan of the live action remakes. So like. I'm just ready for the Lady and the Tramp one now. <laughs> oh, that'll be cute. Yeah. We hope so. We said that about this. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it was still cute. Dumbo was cute. That's There's true. no getting around that. Dumbo was very cute. <laughs> All right. JC? Um, yeah. I This movie made me so angry. Like, I just... It's just the whole thing. I just disliked so much about it. And I went in not with like super high expectations to begin with. Cause I don't really like the original Dumbo either. It scared me as a kid. I just remember having nightmares about like all the trippy scenes. Yep. So I was just kind of going into this movie. Like this will be cool. No, like this was just, I, I wasn't emotionally invested in any of the characters. Like I said, the script just demolished me like I was just cringing I just did not want I almost walked out of this movie and I do not do that so yeah I'll give it a three out of ten Dumbo was cute but I don't need a two-hour movie of Dumbo being cute uh Tom well let me say one positive thing that I really liked about it was oh yes please do (laughs) (laughs) I you know the pink elephants on parade thing using bubbles I thought it was very imaginative and it really worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very yeah. Cool. And it was also visually appealing too. Yeah. That's- Helped give the film a little bit of variety with that uh, that purple pink kind of hue to it. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I'll, I'll give you a nod on that one. I'm nodding right it's now. It's just a nod. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to be Debbie Downer through the whole thing. Nonetheless, I just want to be able to. I'm, I'm, today I'm going to watch the 1941 one again just for a palate cleanser. Well, good for you. I give it a three. Oh, all righty. And Celia. So I've first, just a little aside, Alan Arkin in this movie had real Larry David vibes, and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why our own Michael Schwartz liked it so much. <laughs> um, and the second thing I want to say is I made the mistake last week of seeing us with super high expectations. I really loved Get Out. I wasn't on the Us podcast, so this is me. This is me giving my Us opinion. <laughs> I really loved Get Out, and I walked in that movie with super high expectations, not just of like it being good, but also of how it would go. Um, and when it didn't go that way, I kind of was unable to get over it. So while everybody here, or everybody I've seen for the most part, loves that movie, thinks it's brilliant, thinks it's incredible, think it thinks it's perfect, I just don't, and I can't get over the fact that it wasn't Get Out for me. So that's why I'm so proud of myself this week, because I walked in this movie with like nothing. I was like, just give me what you got. And then it gave me what I had. And I was like, the good stuff was good. And yeah, the bad stuff was bad, but the good stuff was good. And I had a fine enough time. I got like a pizza and a soda and I just like sat back and enjoyed it. It was it was fine. I get why you guys hate it. And I'm not saying you should you shouldn't or maybe not hate, but I, I get why you guys dislike it. And I'm not saying you should. All those flaws are totally true. It just didn't end up kind of taking me out of it as much. So for me, it was fine. I gave it like on Letterboxd, I gave it a seven out of 10, but to, cause it was just average and that's average for me. But, um, to, to be more in line with you guys, no, I'll give it a six. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, I like, like I said, I like that you said what you said in terms of expectation. I try, I try so hard to go into movies with little expectations to none uh, because I do feel like I'm setting myself up for failure a lot of the times, especially with the amount of movies that I see. So I, I find it I find it easier at this point in my life to just go into stuff with a blank slate. But with this, I did make the mistake of thinking, oh, this could be like Burton's like comeback and this could be awesome. I mean, there's so much to improve upon from the 1941 original for a modern day audience. There's the re, uh, reuniting of Keaton and DeVito. I, I just like I was so ready for this. And, you know. Danny Elfman's doing the score. That's always something to look forward to. And I actually did like Danny Elfman's score in this, even though it is typical Elfman, which I guess for me, because I like his style, uh, that's enough. But it isn't like special in that it really separates itself from other scores he's done before. So yeah, there was there was some things to appreciate about this, but they're very, very few and far in between for me. Uh, I don't want to repeat myself with all the things that I didn't like uh, for that. You've already listened to everything I've had to say about it. And I am I, I have to say I'm at a very. Oh, man, I three, three sounds good. Yeah, three, <laughs> three for me means poor. Um, and uh, that's that's a place where I will stick with uh, for this movie. It's just it's pretty poor all around for me. So, oh, uh, man, Oscar potential now, because let's face it, <laughs> even when you have a divisive film or negative uh, reactions to a film, sometimes uh, Burton films do get nominated. So we have to throw it out there and ask ourselves uh, what Oscar potential does this movie have? I would like to actually hear first from Howitt what he thinks there. Uh, yeah, so I just wrote an article about all the Oscar nominations that these live action remakes 
um, have received, and only one of them has not received any Oscar nominations at all, and that's that's Alice Through the Looking Glass, the sequel. So, so far, almost all of them have gotten nominated. Um, I, I don't know. I see the trend breaking this year. Uh, I don't. I don't honestly think Dumbo will get any nominations. I would say if it does, probably production design is its best bet. Maybe costume design, maybe visual effects, but I honestly don't see any of them panning out. I can see it getting shortlisted for visual effects at least. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah. The elephant is very cute. He is. Very hard. Yeah, that could be enough. I mean, well... It, that's that's an interesting point you just brought up there because I'm trying to think right. I mean, Christopher Robin got visual effects nomination. Those animals were cute as hell. It did but this year, you know, Disney is going to be fighting it, itself over and over and over again. You know, just Lion King. Let's be honest, is going to be the shoe in here. So I, I don't know that Dumbo will crack the category as well. Oh, that's true. Yeah, there's still four other spots though. It's <laughs> true. There's still also a great debate raging internally with me as to whether or not Lion King will be considered animation. So it won't. I, I know, I know, but I do think it's going to bring up a very interesting discussion at least uh, when we get to it. So I don't know. Is there a path for Dumbo to get an Oscar nomination somewhere? Maybe. You know, you can't. <laughs> Looking back on it, it's incredible to me that Alice in Wonderland won two Oscars yep. for costume design and art direction. Made a lot of money. It blows my mind. Yeah, made so much money. Yeah, I guess that's what it was, right? It made a lot of money. And does anyone have early reports on uh, what Dumbo looks like it's heading for this weekend? Really, uh, on the low end of expectations, maybe $44 million Wow. When they were talking about 60 or 65 Grossing yeah. less than us, an R-rated horror, original horror movie. That's that's yeah. rough. Maybe maybe Dumbo needed to be an R-rated horror movie <laughs> <laughs> to traumatize the kids. <laughs> that would be great. I'd watch that. Instead of traumatizing the adults with its poor quality. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Man, I'll tell you this much. Uh, I, I, I have to say, Dumbo has single-handedly made my expectations for Aladdin go down, uh, which puts me in a yeah. good place to well, hopefully like it even more. <laughs> well, honestly, to me, the most impressive part of the elephant, other than it being extremely cute, is how deftly it avoids being in the uncanny valley. Mm. Mm. Like, I never felt sure. grossed out looking at the elephant. I feel mm-hmm. grossed out looking at the genie every single time the Aladdin trailer <laughs> pops up. So like, so, like, I'm not banking on Aladdin being their, like, come to Jesus moment. Like, if anything, like Dan said, it'll be the Lion King. Sure, yeah. sure. All right, so we'll we'll leave Dumbo's Oscar prospects for costume design, art direction, and visual effects on the table for now. Because let's face it, uh, Q1 has officially wrapped up with this movie this weekend, and there's still three quarters left to go in the year, and there's a lot more stuff to come out. So uh, I do believe whoever said it before, I can't remember, whoever said this movie is forgettable. I actually think that that will play into uh, the Oscars this year. I, I have a hard time seeing this movie being remembered uh, come everything else that has to, you know, get released throughout the rest of the year. So then again, um, I didn't predict anything for Bohemian Rhapsody. So who, what do I know? Yep. <laughs> All righty. With that said, Celia, where can I find you on the Internet? You can find me on Twitter and on Letterboxd at Films Unstuck. JC? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JC Aldrich. Nicole Ackman. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nicole Ackman 16. Daniel Howitt. I'm on Twitter at HowittDK and my main show, The Screeners Podcast. And Tom O'Brien. And you can find me on Twitter at Thomas E. O'Brien. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. 
Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Dumbo here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player, FM, Acast, CastBox, and on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. Leave us a comment. Also, a star rating of five stars. Nothing else is acceptable below that. You know, I, I would have to say, I would be very, very disheartened to see a rating below five stars. But if you provide just uh, justification within your comments, I guess I will accept it. The other, maybe. Bu- the other buttons are broken. <laughs> Ah, see, there you go. So you can't do anything other than five stars. Uh, And also, too, if you head on over to Patreon, for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us, uh, stuff such as Next Best Theater. Uh, We also have Game of Thrones coming up pretty soon, which will be an exclusive for Patreon listeners, as well as uh, we're going to be now officially starting our 2015 retrospective starting in April and going all the way up until the end of the summer, uh, which will then culminate in MVP Film Awards for 2015. So much to look forward to there. Head on over to Patreon to become a subscriber. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time.